What's up, everybody? Welcome to another live Q&A with Dr. Rogers, uh, presented to you by Performance Medicine. Um, Dr. Rogers, how's it going, man? Hey, Ben, how are you, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. We're going to let some people uh, jump in here uh, to the people already with us. Hello, what's up? Uh, thank you for, for hanging out. Uh, I want to remind everybody that, uh, that we're taking live questions today. So um, the way to get your question in is by simply uh, putting your question in the comments. Um, we're going to be going through those uh, all episode long. Uh, and we're going to make sure that all the questions are hopefully... All the questions gets answered, uh, and if they don't, we'll certainly get those to uh, on another show, or we'll shoot you a direct message um, and answer it that way. Um, so, Doc, you ready? To, you ready to roll? Yeah, let's let's uh, let's roll. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. I got this first question up. Uh, also, if you're here with us, say hello. Say hello to us. Um, we appreciate you guys uh, being with us live. All right, first question. Uh, my son turned 13. Uh, we are experiencing mood swings, times where he is not interested in doing anything and wants to be alone. Um, I know some of this is common, but what sh at what point should you seek, you know, therapy, seek, a seek some help? Wow. That's a good question. That's a concerning question. Um, yeah, I mean, when you go through puberty, you know, your body changes and you're, you know, you're trying to kind of be your own person a little bit, I guess. But you know, depression is so common, especially right now during COVID times and when kids can't interact as much and school's tougher. Um, you know, they have to do the virtual learning in a lot of cases and kids are getting depressed. So I think it's never too early to seek help. Again, talk to your son, talk to the teachers, his friends, if he's getting isolated and uh, doing things that is out of character, then you need to uh, talk with him and maybe enlist some uh, professional help, um, like the school counselor. Start with them. Ask the teacher. Um, if performance is going down in school, concentration is going down. So I don't like to throw it all off to, um, you know, puberty or age, but um, that's a critical age in development, and certainly right now you're hearing about a lot of kids are depressed. Um, so I think the better part of valor is to act now and to try to step in and and maybe get some help. Um, it's, it's not too early to start talking about it, at least. So I, I would take that seriously. I really would. Yeah, and I and I I mean I think it's important to know that this is. Uh, most likely not uncommon. Um, this is a, you know, super, um, wild time and I, I can't imagine being, you know, a kid in school right now. So I, 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 I agree. I'm hearing this a lot, but it's a real thing. It's, it's a lot of kids are depressed. Are you, are you having, and, um, uh, parents reach out to you about this sort of thing quite often? Um, not a lot because I see mostly adult medicine, but, um, certainly hear about it a lot and read about it. So um, certainly talk to your pediatrician, your teachers, your guidance counselor at school and try to find out if there's anything uh, more serious going on and if they need some help or support for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and one thing, you know, getting outside, uh, I think that's, 
uh, always helpful. And hopefully, you know, as the weather warms up, today's a super cold day. Um, okay, next question. I wish I, I, wish I had our, our child psychiatrist here. Oh, that's I've right. I've got a good friend that's uh, doing his child psychiatry residency at University of Kentucky. And I wish he'd weigh, I had him here to weigh in on this, but uh, um, and maybe we will do a podcast with him at some point on this very subject. Yeah, so. we, we should get, get him on because that's a, this is a very important topic and, and one that probably yeah. deserves. Go ahead. That gave me a good idea. I think I will get yeah. him on. That, that deserves, that deserves a lot more time, um, because it's a super serious issue that, um, that a lot of kids I'm sure are going through right now. Um, okay. all right. Question number two, uh, please tell us about PRP therapy and upcoming stem cell research and how this can help us. Um, PRP therapy is something we do in the office here. It's platelet-rich plasma. And basically what it is, we draw blood from your arm, spin it down, and get the, the good part of the uh, plasma out of there with a lot of platelets. And platelets aid in healing. You think of them as stopping, you know, bleeding but it also has a lot of good um healing properties it's almost like a pre-stem cell thing um, there's a lot of other factors in that in that plasma that that work to heal so we'll inject them into arthritic joints and shoulders and um you know even hair it kind of grows hair we do we do good with that sometimes we do something called a pea shot that helps erectile dysfunction we do quite a bit of that, as a matter of fact. And um, so stem cells, right now the stem cells are kind of a gray area with the FDA because they just want you doing it from uh, your own bone marrow or fat cells. And, you know, once you reach a certain age, you just don't probably not going to get enough from your own bone marrow or stem cells. You need really embryonic stem cells from like uh, umbilical cord blood that hopefully you've stored if you're a young parent or having a baby store your umbilical cord blood for future use um, I wish I'd had that around back when you were born Ben I would have definitely paid for that um, but stem cells I think are the future there's also some really cool stuff they're doing uh, besides just PRP um, they're doing some cool stuff with um, taking PRP a step further that's really helping uh, joint mobility you know as you get my age we're all getting stiffer and trying to find ways not to hurt all the time so tune in about prp therapy i really have a feeling and stem cells we're gonna have some really exciting stuff out about what to do for sore and stiff joints osteoarthritis um and of course they use stem cells for a bunch of other stuff too like regrowing dead heart cells and new organs so it's it's really futuristic type medicine but um the future is, is going to be here pretty soon so keep tuned up on that but prp therapy if you have a, a bad knee or recurrent tendonitis your elbow shoulder hip you know we do a lot of injections with that and see we get good results from it so is ask that, us about it. How how quickly are you seeing results with a, an injection like PRP? Is that is it immediately? Is it immediate or does it take like a series? Um, no, it's usually one, maybe two shots. Um, 
but it doesn't work immediately. Actually, immediately it flares the joint up or tendon up a little bit because it brings all these inflammatory mediators in. And so it takes a little while before it starts working. Hmm. I'm kind of excited about this new therapy um, that I just wrote down. I wish I had it on my thing here, but um, that I was reading about yesterday. Well, um, we'll talk about that later. But it's, it's a new take on PRP therapy that does not cause the pain and inflammation that uh, PRP shots can do. And may work really, really well quickly uh, and may be a better alternative. So stay tuned for that. I don't want to introduce that yet. But Are, are you are you using that in replacement of like a cortisone shot out of curiosity or, or are you using both? Yeah, you know, we, of course, we use a lot of cortisone shots in joints and tendons. Uh, but that's a temporary thing. Um, you know, it, it helps acutely, but... A lot of times you'll inject a joint, it'll come back after a few weeks or months. And you don't want to do too many cortisone shots because that can wear the the cartilage out and uh, cause some osteoporosis. So you've got to be very vigilant about how often you do that. So um, these new therapies are probably going to be a lot better. Hmm. Super cool. I'm excited about stuff like that. Um, Okay, let's go to question number three here. All right. Uh, and this is a question we're getting quite a bit about. Um, what is the difference between bioquercetin versus regular quercetin? Uh, which one do you prefer? And and this is the one that I'm seeing a lot of is the bioquercetin has five milligrams if it's in like a fast C uh, with life extension. And how does that compare to the regular quercetin that has a thousand milligrams of the quercetin? Um, lots well, of, lots of quer- quercetin questions coming in this week. Well, quercetin is the, the new antioxidant that people really want to prevent and treat COVID. It's really one of those essential vitamins that we have now in our fight against COVID. And, um, you know, I've always taken the C with the quercetin. Quercetin is great for arthritis too. It has a lot of anti-inflammatory effects, but um, it's been proven to, to really help in COVID as well. Um, you know, you're not going to see a bunch of, you know, thousands of double, blind placebo controlled trials on it because there's no money in that. It's a vitamin, but I think it helps in a lot of observational studies. So, um, but I take the C with, with quercetin, but really I've, I've also taken another, um, 800 milligram tablet, uh, alone with it because I don't think the uh, five milligrams enough for what we're trying to do here. So I take both. So for COVID take, you know, between five, hundred and a thousand milligrams of, of quercetin and take the vitamin C with the quercetin in it. And you should have plenty, but uh, that's a good question. But for me, five milligrams is not enough. Even if it is apparently more bioavailable, I think they combine it with bromelain, but, um, so take the extra right now. Is that what the bio means? Is it just more bioavailable? So you get more of the, of the quercetin? Right. That's okay. exactly what it means. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, and, and a lot of people are asking about it. Um, okay, here, let's go to number uh, four. And I just want to remind people, uh, we're getting ready to go through the comments. So uh, if you have a question, we're getting ready to get into those. Uh, but this is a good one, and I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are, are wondering about peptides. Um, 
what's the hype about? Uh, how do they benefit you? It's, it's funny because, you know, we've talked about stem cells and PRP already in this, in this show. And then the peptide thing came up. And when I think of them, you know, I, they, they all seem to be grouped together because there's this new wave, uh, in advanced medicine. So, uh, what, what's your thoughts? Well, peptides are different than the, than the other things you've been talking about. Peptides are really a sequence of amino acids that act as a signaler to turn on something else in your body. The most common we think about is somorlin, which we use a lot of, um, or ipamorlin, tesamorlin. And what they are are secretagogues. They stimulate your body to produce more of your own growth hormone. Uh, you know, growth hormone is just too controversial, too expensive, illegal in most places um, for most purposes. But Smorlin's affordable. It does turn on your own production of growth hormone, which can be beneficial for certain things. Um, kind of works synergistically with testosterone. Um, people tend to get a little leaner with it and maybe recover from uh, exercise a little bit quicker. Um, you know, testosterone itself is an anabolic steroid that helps growth. Um, growth hormone is more of a repair hormone. So, and, but there's all kinds of peptides out there. There's BPC 157 that helps your stomach uh, repair itself. Um, it also helps uh, repair injuries. You can actually take it orally or inject it into tendonitis, etc. Um, there's PT-141 that helps um, erectile dysfunction. It also helps male and female um, libido. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of peptides out there for various uh, conditions, but it, it's an interesting kind of new field. You know, we've been working with peptides for a while. Um, you know, you have to know where to get it and and all, but, um, and some of them are in shot form, some of them are in pill form, but, uh, you know, read about peptides. They're pretty cool. And, uh, I think the future is great for peptides. I actually took a, a, a course in peptides a few years ago that was very helpful, taught by an orthopedic surgeon who uses peptides a lot in his, uh, rehabilitation practice from injury. So keep tuned up on various forms of peptides. Let, let me ask you something. This could be a, a terrible question, but is there any situation with when a patient comes in with one of those problems that you just mentioned and the first thing you think is, oh, they need to be put on this peptide? Has that happened yet? Because I know, you know, typically, you know, you're, you're going to hormones and, and stuff like that. Is peptide ever a kind of a first option for you as a physician or is, is a patient coming in wanting a peptide sort of treatment? Uh, sometimes like today, I, I put a guy on BPC 157. That's the first thing I thought about because he's got a messed up gut. His probiotics aren't working. Um, and uh, so I added uh, BPC 157 to, to straighten out what I think is just a, you know, a, an irritable bowel situation and a lot of dyspepsia and stomach problems as well. So I, I put one on first line today. So, but usually it's not first line type thing. It's usually something that um, is second line and you have to educate them about kind of how it works, et cetera. But uh, 
a lot of times, of course, people that my patients really have researched a lot of things. So they'll come in and ask about them. Yeah. So, but that, yeah, that did happen today. So it's not a dumb question. But, uh, I, uh, I, I yeah. think some Moreland to me is the, is the most, um, maybe the most mainstream. Well, it's the most common one that we prescribe. Uh, I wouldn't say it's mainstream, uh, because most doctors have never heard of some Moreland. Um, but it's something that we, um, practitioners of integrated medicine certainly know about. Okay. So, uh, well, um, all right. So we're going to get ready to go into our fifth question. Uh, I just want to say hello to Deb. Deb, thank you for being here. Uh, Melinda, great to see you. Connie, uh, Shelly, of course, thanks for hanging out again. Uh, Jessica, hello. Um, Anna, thank you for being here. Uh, Jessica, again, thank you for being here. Joel over on YouTube. Um, guys, really appreciate you guys hanging out and, and engaging with us on these Tuesday evenings. Uh, Y'all make this fun for, for us, and thank you for the questions. We're about to get to those. Um, okay, um, last one uh, from the emails. Um, thoughts on art- artemisinin. Uh, is it comparable to hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? Um, yeah, that's kind of a new thing that people are talking about a little bit. Um, yeah, it is comparable to those two because it's a it's an anti-parasite drug. Um, I think it comes from wormwood, maybe a Chinese wormwood or something. So, um, and it's supposed to be kind of like the other two effective against COVID. I don't have any experience using this, this herb. Um, you know, I, I did Google it once and it, it, um, I think in one case calls it a guy to have hepatitis. So I'm not so sure if it's not a little more toxic than the other ones. Um, there was also a little bit of question about, you know, it's used for malaria prevent or treatment. And if we use it widespread, well, you have a recurrence of malaria or the bad forms of malaria because um, you kind of get used to it. So that's one question. So I'm not really familiar enough with it. I haven't used it enough to to recommend it, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think it's been nearly studied as much as the hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And we know they work. So those are the two I'm sticking with. There's a lot of other potential maybe benefits from the artemisin because like they touted it as an anti-cancer type herb. But um, so, you know, it's not something I'm using yet. I mean, again, maybe I will be in the future, but right now we've got two great drugs that work for COVID. Um, And so uh, I'm using the, uh, the other two, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, um, what's interesting is, you know, we, we had a, a, a clip uh, on ivermectin, and, and you described the way ivermectin works in a way that I hadn't heard before, uh, acting as a carrier of these antiviral-type things like zinc and quercetin. Does hydroxychloroquine, is that the, is that is it the same um, mechanism? Is that the same way hydroxy works as well? Yeah, the way it works is really it's called an onophore. What that means is it's a transporter that allows the zinc to get into the cells. And the zinc's actually the one that's neutralizing the virus. So a lot of times if you heard that hydroxychloroquine didn't work, it's really because um, that they weren't using zinc with it. And they were using huge, huge doses of it. 
for patients that are already sick enough to be hospitalized. So that's where they came out saying it didn't work. It may be dangerous. So they were totally misusing it. Um, not, not what the recommended stuff was. So, um, you don't have to give huge doses of it at all, but you got to use zinc with it, you know, uh, for it to work. So, and, uh, same thing with ivermectin. So we're still using a whole lot of it. We're treating COVID every day in here on telemedicine, of course, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's actually the way it works, Ben. Are, are you, are you always using the combination between the two or, or is there situations where you're just using hydroxychloroquine or just using ivermectin? Yeah. Sometimes I use both. Sometimes I just use one. Just depends on the situation. Hmm. That's why you got to fill it out. Uh, so, um, you have to, you have to know what you're doing with this. Okay. All right. Well, hello, Daniel. Thanks for, for hanging out, man. Thank you for being here. Mike, what's up? Um, okay, we're going to get into some of the, some of the live questions here. Um, this is my favorite part. Um, we'll start with, uh, with Shelly here. And this is a great question, and I'm interested in, in your thoughts. Um, uh, there's been talk about um, double mask. Uh, is this more harmful or helpful? What's your thoughts on the double mask thing? Um. You know, I hate to talk against masks because it's like heresy. You know, you, you get lamb blasted if you if you put down mask. Certainly, if somebody's sick with COVID, you know, and you're coughing and symptomatic, you may the mask may be somewhat helpful. Uh, they've done some studies, and they they think that really to be real effective, you have to do an N95 and then put a cloth mask on top of it. So, I certainly, if you had um, COVID that may prevent some of the transmission through respiratory droplets a little better than the single mask. But, you know, I don't think, you know, they say there is asymptomatic spread. I, I'm not a huge believer in that theory that there's a lot of asymptomatic spread. So, um, you know, I certainly don't think the mask or the, or the, the answer to this thing. Um, I had a patient ask me today, or actually tell me today that the, the mask is going to be a thing of the future that we're always going to have to wear a mask from now on. And I say BS to that. There's no way I'm going to keep wearing a mask from now on. I mean, you know, and I have it just it just from observing things. It seems like to me that the patients that I've treated for COVID and that's been in the hundreds, they seem to be the ones that wear the mask the most. <laughs> so, you know, that's just totally observational. But um, and, you know, when Dr. Fauci said, well, you know, you, you, there's no need for a mask back, back last April and then you need to wear a mask and now you need to wear a double mask. You know, what are you going to need to do next? Put a bubble over your head. I mean, you know, just use common sense on this thing. So uh, and. I do think COVID is treatable um, if treated early. COVID is bad. It's not a hoax. COVID can be really bad in certain people. And sometimes there's outliers. You can you can almost predict who's going to do bad with COVID. If they have low vitamin D levels, if they're morbidly obese, low vitamin D, cardiopulmonary problems, elderly, um, you know, they're a lot more at risk. But, um, you know, and I don't know, some people think that if you, have if you're asymptomatic and wear the mask you may be breathing in more 
COVID into your lungs. So there's that thought too. So I'm not really an anti-masker, but, um, you know, I've got my doubts about the effectiveness of the mask, to be honest with you. I mean, those respiratory droplets are really small and they go right through most masks. And if you're fogging your glasses up, it's going through there. And if you don't have glasses on, it's going, it's can get in your eyes through asymptomatic, through spread, symptomatic spread. I mean, so I'm not really a paranoid masker. I'm really not. Um, it can get kind of irritating. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway. Okay. Uh, All right. So we got um, a question here from, from Jessica. I think this is a, I, you know, I, it's funny. Um, I had a, someone asked me this today about you. Um, I, I was on the fall on, on the phone and, and they asked, you know, what does Dr. Rogers think about getting the vaccine himself? Um, and you know, so this is the question. Will, will, you, will you be getting the COVID vaccine? Is there anyone who should not be getting it? Uh, no, I'm not going to take this new mRNA vaccine myself. I'm 66 years old. Knock on wood, I'm pretty healthy. I'm taking a once a week dose of ivermectin and um, take my, my really good vitamins. And I've been all around COVID and knock on wood, I haven't gotten it so far. I may get it. Um, hopefully it'll be a mild disease and I can uh, get on the treatment for it. Um, you know, at 66, I qualify for the monoclonal antibody. So if I came down and I was sick with, uh, pretty symptomatic with COVID, I would definitely get a monoclonal antibody infusion. And I would then begin my treatments with uh, Zithromax, uh, high dose vitamin D, bump up the C, zinc, quercetin, um, and I would hit it with both higher doses of hydroxy, chloroquine, and ivermectin, and uh, and go from there. I'm not against vaccines. I think people that are at risk, uh, they're really at risk for doing bad with COVID. You go ahead and probably take the vaccine if you're elderly or have a lot of chronic medical conditions. Um, I'm not against you having the vaccine. I'd probably tell you to go ahead and get it and hope for the best. Most people do fine without it. I've seen some pretty bad reactions from the this, these new two vaccines that are out, um, you know, and what it, it stimulates your immune system. So what it's going to do to your autoimmune system, who knows down the line? Um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that this Johnson and Johnson vaccine that should come out soon. It's a one shot deal uh, will be a lot better and safer. Um, you can't really compare it to the, the two that are out now because it was studied at a different time. So, they think, well, it's not as good against the, you know, overall and has a 72% effectiveness versus a 94%. But that's like comparing apples to oranges. The Johnson & Johnson included the mutant viruses. And uh, so um, I'm, I think there'll be less reactions to that. Man, I've seen some, I had a lady today that um, had COVID in November and she works at the big healthcare system. And of course they encourage you to take the, the vaccine. So um, she took it and got really, really sick. I, I think it precipitated a lot of her previous autoimmune problems. So she got a lot of arth arthritis from it. Um, I think it may have kicked her into menopause as she's around that age. So, um, you know, I really wish she hadn't uh, taken that vaccine. Um, she got pretty symptomatic, sick with it too. 
after the second one. Um, so um, I would not encourage you, if you've had the COVID itself, to take this vaccine right now. You know, I'm not saying nine months, a year from now, I wouldn't tell you to take the J&J &J vaccine. I may. It just depends on how it goes. This thing's an evolving thing, but um, if you've had COVID, don't get that vaccine right now. Even though you may be encouraged to, I would not do it uh, myself. And I'm not going to take the mRNA vaccine. I'm going to wait and see about the J&J, see how it turns out, see how many reactions. Certainly, if you've ever had anaphylaxis or if you have a lot of allergy problems, uh, I wouldn't get this new mRNA vaccine. Um, there's some question about future fertility, et cetera. So if you're a young person and healthy, uh, I wouldn't take it. I mean, you don't know what it's going to do in the future to you, um, you know, because it's going to be with you for a long time, maybe permanently. So, you know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. And if you're certainly at risk, if you're really elderly and have a lot of risk factors for COVID, you know, I would tell you to probably think about getting it. Um, but if you can hold off until this J&J &J comes up, you know, then you might think about that. So if you have a lot of autoimmune issues and you think it may flare it, it could well flare it. I mean, there there are some people that have really strong reactions to this mRNA vaccine. You know, it, it, it's definitely killed, killed people, no doubt about that. Um, they probably try to hide it a little bit, but um, if you look it up, there definitely been some deaths to it. One was a OBGYN doctor in Miami who got the vaccine that gave him ITP, uh, idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura, and it killed him for sure. Um, and there have been a few others. And again, these are rare, um, but, you know, rare things happen to good people. Um, so that's just my own take on it, my own feeling about it. Um, so if you've had COVID, think twice about getting the, that vaccine. Um, if, you can, if you're not at major risk, and can wait to look at the J&J &J vaccine. Um, I think we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. You know, every day you see less and less COVID, and um, hopefully we're going to develop that herd immunity with um, people that already had the, the illness, and certainly the vaccine's going to play a part in that herd immunity too. So um, can, can I ask a lot you, of controversy. Can I ask you about the herd immunity thing? Is the the quick mutations is that is that what's slowing us from getting to herd immunity? And is it possible to get to herd immunity I mean, with all the different mutations that are that are happening? That's that's a good question because uh, this coronavirus is going to be around forever probably. So whether it turns into an annual flu-like thing where it mutates and we have to find a new booster for it, probably. Um, but you, the thing I emphasize is build up your own immune system. Mm -hmm you know, um, and get healthy yourself instead of relying on this thing. Because, I mean, this new vaccine, especially, it hadn't even really been proven to prevent transmission. So, you know, you could have this vaccine and still be transmitting it. They don't know. Um, so time will tell, I guess. But, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt and hope for the best. But I'm hoping that, you know, that we're going to get this herd immunity and we can open up everything back and people won't have to wear a mask again and they can use your own immune system to fight off things because we're all exposed to things in our life um uh so 
matter of fact, some, a patient of mine recommended a good book for me to read, which I'm going to certainly pick up. It's called The Epidemic of Absence. I'm going to read that. I think it plays a lot in part into how this thing. There's another book called Eat Dirt. And I'm sure it's about how our immune systems are not fighting stuff off like we used to because uh, our immune systems are not good. We're not as healthy as we used to be because we're making poor choices with food. We're stressed out. We're not getting enough sleep. We're not exercising. We're not sweating. So um, I think if anything this pandemic has taught us is to get yourself into shape and get your own immune system working. Take your vitamins that you need to be taking anyway. Eat right. Don't get obese. You know, um, if you look at the people that this thing's killing, most of them are either very elderly, which have poor immune systems, or, or morbidly obese. Low vitamin D levels are huge in this. That, so That's um, what I was going to say. Like, um, I'm kind of hopeful that... Because even even with me being so close to to you and to performance medicine, you know, I hadn't really thought about checking vitamin D levels. And you know, this whole year, I feel like we've been preaching, you know, check your vitamin D levels. Don't just take vitamin D, but check your levels. Make sure that you're actually absorbing it. And uh, I'm starting to think that 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 might be a, a a more normal thing to do now is check those levels. You have thoughts on that? Yeah, you should always check the vitamin D levels. Yeah, you may have to use a higher dose, but yeah, very important. Very, very important. So take care of yourself. All That's right. my word. We are going to get to some more questions. Thank you guys for for hanging out. Um, again, we're taking live questions tonight, uh, just like we are every Tuesday night. Uh, we're pumped to get to do this with y'all. I'm going to put... Uh, Josh up here. Um, Josh, we have a trip planned to Turks in May. Uh, we have already had COVID in December, as you would, um, as you know. Would you think we could still be immune by then? Uh, so, is the immunity going to last? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Even if it doesn't measure on your B cell immunity, which is what we check in blood work, um, you know, yeah, I would definitely if it's open and. They don't require you to take that vaccine. I mean, that's what worries me is they may have to have a vaccine passport, which I'm totally against. Um, you know, I'll write you a note if you need, but because I've been to Turks and Caicos, and that's a wonderful, wonderful place. That's the best vacation I ever took. Right, Ben? You went with me. And, and I agree. Josh, so we're, we don't are. Don't ever miss a trip. Don't ever miss a trip to Turks and Caicos, no matter what. <laughs> Josh, you know. we're super jealous of you. And, and, uh, I'm sure a lot of people in here are. Uh, we hope you have a great time, and uh, it sounds like you got you got nothing to worry about, man. Um, okay, um, I'm going to answer this one. Uh, Shelly asked, when will the Ben and Jenny show be back in the mornings? Um, that, to me, is a great question. Um, and uh, we've, you know, we've actually hemmed and hauled about it, and we, we really uh, were, were putting some things in the works. I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you that. We've got a great new show called um, Outside the Box that I'm super, super pumped about. And, and we're going to try to make that a, a, a daily show uh, or at least close to it. And, and I got to get. Thank you, Shelly. <laughs> Thank you, Shelly. There's Jenny right there. We got to get her on in the mornings. Uh, she's uh, behind the camera today. Uh, so hello, Jenny. I'm sure you got a lot of fans in here. Um, okay. Let's get to this to, outside the box that you're going to do is going to be great because Ben, you're becoming such a good podcaster. <laughs> you're very much in demand. I had one patient tell me that you, 
you know, you could go big time with this, so maybe you should. But Outside the Box is going to be a great podcast. You're going to be into some good stuff there. Uh, that's, that's very sweet. Everybody, um, watch, everybody follow Ben. The, follow Ben on that. The, the Outside the Box thing is, is, is going to be super cool. And uh, my, my, my first interview was with you on Saturday, and um, that's already up on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's about Outside the Box Healthcare. It uh, talks a lot about um, – reasons why you uh, went cash only and what that meant for patients and as well as yourself as a physician. And uh, we're kind of of the mindset that, that you need to be a little bit outside the box um, in this health and wellness uh, world. And you need to be able to think, um, think for yourself. And, and that's why you preach all the time, take care of yourself, be your own doctor. And um, thinking outside the box is a, is a big part of that. Um, okay. Back to the questions here. Uh, Melinda asks, could you give us a list of recommended supplements to be taken to prevent COVID and do you carry them at your office? Um, that's a, a very common question. Uh, Dr. Raj, I'll let you go ahead and answer that. Oh uh, yeah. No, we did Number one. Yeah, we do carry the vitamins at our office, but for sure take uh, at least 5,000 of D some people take, I've been taking 10,000 because prevent COVID and also it's winter. You're not getting any sun hardly. So Sunshine is still the best way to get, get vitamin D. It doesn't take that much, but you still need a supplement. And for anybody over 50, for sure, get vitamin D with K. Um, but, um, yeah, so you need to take at least 5,000 of D. You need to take 50 of 50 milligram of zinc with food. You need to take vitamin C one gram twice a day. You need to take quercetin. Besides what the C has in it, take another 500 to 1,000 of quercetin. So those are the, the main ones that I recommend uh, at this time. And certainly continue with your multi if you, if you take that too. So great question. Please take the vitamins. That is a great question and, and a very common one. Uh, Janet on YouTube, thanks for, for hanging out, Janet. Um, are collagen peptides good for IBS? It sounds like that's, is that similar to the situation you saw in office today? Uh, yeah, BPC-157 is really good for uh, IBS. We have in our office. It's really, really effective for IBS, especially if the, the other stuff doesn't work like your probiotics and prebiotics. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Digest Shield, of course. I love that because it's got so many things in it that, that, that medicine really works for IBS, but, but yeah, they are BPC 157. Cool. Cool. Um, lots of good questions on peptides today. I'm, I'm pumped about that. Um, Hey Mike, Mike, it's good to see you, man. We're going to put you up here. Um, thoughts on nebulized peroxide as an early treatment for COVID. Man, that's awesome that you asked that because I just got some, I just got me some, food quality hydrogen peroxide yesterday for this, because if you follow some of the stuff with uh, some of the advanced doctors, um, like Dr. Mercola and everything, he's quite outspoken about COVID, but uh, I love Dr. Mercola. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, nebulized hydrogen peroxide is a great treatment for, early code that's starting to get in your sinus and your lungs. So it's really easy to make. It's cheap. Of course, if it really gets in your lungs, I'm going to use an inhaled budesonide, a steroid. But yeah, as soon as you start getting any signs of COVID, or even if you just start getting bronchitis or sinus, you can 
nebulize hydrogen peroxide. Just make the little formula up yourself. And man, it, it's really effective against these um, uh, lung diseases and sinus infections. Get, you know, don't, when you nebulize it, use a mask so it gets in through the whole deal, not just uh, the nebulizer through your mouth. So, but yeah, great. I, I can't believe I hadn't mentioned that yet, but um, yeah, I love nebulized uh, hydrogen peroxide uh, for this. So have some in your house. You can get a inexpensive nebulizer for about thirty dollars, thirty forty bucks, and um, the food food grade uh, hydrogen peroxide mixed with distilled water is very very effective. Uh, keep it in your fridge. You can make up a batch; it can last for a year. So keep it around your house. Label it so you'll know what is in there. But um, anyway, uh, great question and great treatment. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I've got a nebulizer at my house and I've got um, hydrogen peroxide. So I'll guarantee you if I get this thing or any, that's, that's one of the first things I'm going to go to. Yeah, that's a great Thank question, you, Mike. Mike. Thank you, Mike, for that. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, we had a, uh, an episode of the common sense MD on, on IV therapy. And you talked about when you do high doses of vitamin C, it turns into, Hydrogen peroxide is that was that one thing you mentioned? How how does that work? Is is that kind of similar to the nebulized uh, peroxide that Mike's talking about? That's, that's how it works. It just gets localized. But yeah, that is how it works. We assume that's a great treatment for especially for COVID in your lungs. You can if you get sick, do it every hour, and then you can space it out. But uh, it'll really knock it out pretty darn fast. No. Super, super interesting. So. All right, Daniel has a question. I'll put him up here. Are there tests and or symptoms to watch for that you recommend for folks uh, post-COVID? Uh, so, um, so this yeah. I'm, I'm assuming this means after um, after the the pandemic. Well, he's probably talking about long hauler syndrome, where okay. people have COVID and they recover pretty quickly. There's a lot of long haulers. Yeah, and sometimes I'll continue hydroxychloroquine or um, uh, ivermectin for a couple months. And sometimes I'll, you know, get, send you for a chest x-ray. Look at that. You need to follow your O2 sets. The most common long hauler syndrome is probably just fatigue. Um, so certainly I've run a lot of IV IVs on these people and it seems to perk them up a lot. Um, so IV, uh, vitamin cocktails help. Uh, along with your other vitamins that you should always be taking, I just mentioned, and maybe even add the B-complex vitamins to that. Um, but long hauler syndrome, it's pretty serious. I mean, people take a long time to recover from it. Uh, so um, even some people use uh, colchicine, which is a gout medicine for long hauler syndrome. I, I actually called some of that in today for a patient. Um, so... Um, yeah, there's, there's treatments for it and just headache, fatigue, shortness of breath, but fatigue. So yeah, there, there are things that we do. Testing's hard. I mean, you know, sometimes we check a D-dimer or a blood count. We just follow all your blood work for that and look at the routine stuff. Um, and certainly for people that have low hormones, if you have your hormones normalized, you'll do a lot better with COVID. A lot, lot better with COVID. What? What? Why is um, that? Is that just because 
Because uh, it helps your immune system. Okay. It helps your immune system. You know, as you get old and you go into menopause or andopause, your hormones drop, your immune system drops. That's why elderly people don't fight off stuff like younger people do. Is the, it the is it not system. interesting how everything's kind of going back to your immune system and how much your immune system is tied to your gut? Like it, it your just gut and your hormone levels too. This is regarding your hormones, but yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I, I think that's going to be, and, and we talked about this actually, you know, on this, on the, the most recent episode of outside the box, um, about how, you know, we were talking about the future of healthcare and you kept bringing up immune system and keeping that immune system strong and all the things that help with that. And that, I mean, again, some of the positives that have come from, you know, a terrible, terrible situation is, um, maybe that it's shining a light on that and all the things that we can do to keep our immune system strong. I hope, I hope we can get our country in better shape. Like I said before, you know, we're the most advanced country in the world, spend so much more than any other country by far on our healthcare system. Yet we've done worse with COVID than any country out there. We're the, by far the worst. That just tells you what kind of shape America's in. Terrible, terrible shape America, the population of America's in. Mm. So I'm hoping this, I hope they focus on that, you know, in the future. I hope whoever heads this thing up, you know, in the future is talking about getting yourself in shape and not letting this happen to our country again. It's been just shameful what's happened. Uh, but anyway. All right. I, I want to make sure we get to, to Carla's question here. Uh, I want to say hello to Katie, our operations manager. What's up? Uh, Grandma Mary, thank you for hanging out. Linda, what's up? Uh, thank you guys. Uh, this is fun. Claudia, we're going to get to you. Um, okay, here we go. This is Carla. Um, my teens have had lots of ringing in the ears. My family had COVID back in December. Do you think this is, this is something that could be from COVID? Uh, do you have any recommend, recommendations for, for this issue? Yeah, it could have been from COVID, um, for sure. Um, man, ringing in the ears or tinnitus is very hard to, to know what to do. I mean, it seems like nothing works really good. Um, you might take, you might make sure you take a little zinc, but it's just been a a tough problem. Um, it's an unusual problem. Avoid taking a lot of aspirin and nonsteroidals for right now if you have tinnitus. But um, you know, I wish I had a better answer for you on that. But that's a tough problem. Usually, it'll go away if it is post COVID. Give it a little time. Uh, make sure you keep your immune system sharp. All right. So, Thank you for that, Carla. No magic, no magic, no magic drug for it though. So. All right. Let's get to, to Claudia here. Uh, this is a good question. Um, can certain supplements increase your blood pressure? Um, yeah. Um, you could, anything that has ephedra or stimulant stimulants in it could, Anything that has caffeine, a lot of supplements are laced with caffeine. That's the main thing. Uh, our cold medicines have ephedra in them. So they could, you know, um, I had a guy today that um, had a really high ferritin level, which is an iron storage uh, level. It can be very dangerous to your heart and can cause a lot of problems. Too much iron in your blood is bad. And the supplement, Vitamin C was causing a lot of that. He'd increased his C uh, a lot to prevent COVID, and his ferritin level went way up. 
And so I had to take him down to a normal dose of C or actually I'm cutting it out for a little while to watch it come back down. So, um, that's an unusual one, but, uh, Vitamin C can enhance the absorption of iron. If you don't need more iron, you don't want to get your levels too high. So, uh, so are you saying high high ferritin levels are correlated with high blood pressure? No, uh, vitamin C. Oh, gotcha. Uh, has gotcha. Enough, yeah, gotcha. Vitamin C. Gotcha. Vitamin C can push your uh, iron levels even higher. And if you don't, if you have too high an iron level, you don't want to take mega doses of C. Is what I'm saying. Got it. Got it. But yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Claudia. And we're going to get, uh, we got one more question here. Uh, Daniel asks, uh, oral diluted food grade hydrogen peroxide is used by some folks regularly, has been found upon, and surely it has to be uh, diluted. Do you ever recommend? Yeah, I recommend the food uh, grade hydrogen peroxide. Uh, get it anywhere. And you, you don't need to use much. Gosh, use very little bit. You have to dilute it uh, in the um, in the water, in the still water, preferably. Um, and then just put it in the fridge and have it ready to use anytime you want it. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know why it's been frowned upon unless you took too much of it. But uh, anyway, um, I do recommend it. Look up Mercola's. He gives a good demonstration on how to put it together in your nebulizer. Look up Dr. Mercola's use of nebulized hydrogen peroxide um that'd be that'd be good daniel to look that up so cool cool uh, well, uh yeah great session great man, session this has been so much fun and and i just want to thank everybody who's who's with us tonight for uh for hanging out for asking your question uh, if we did not get to your question and you have one uh or if you want to send it to us privately um email us at info uh, info at performancemedicine.net. Uh, we're taking these questions uh, all, all week long. Um, we do this live Q&A with Dr. Rogers uh, every single Tuesday night at 545. Would love to answer your questions and, uh, and help you out, bring some value in any way that we can. Um, but man, Dr. Rogers, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thanks, man. It's been great. We'll see you next Tuesday. Guys, thank you. Uh, we will see you all next time. If, again, if we didn't get to you, uh, super sorry. Um, we will get on the next show and uh, we'll get your question then. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.